Are you ready for the word? Say, God is good. All right, now I've got a sermon today, and I'm going to tell you where it came from. I think you'll enjoy this. Um, the other day, Mark and I and Lisa and, and, a, and, a, and a few of our friends were sitting at Seasons 52 eating fish. They were eating fish. I was eating steak. My favorite fish is filet mignon. My second favorite fish is ribeye. My third favorite fish, fish is sirloin. <laughs> so we, never mind. Y'all, some of y'all are like, that's not fish. Okay. Mark and I got into a conversation on, uh, on finances, and um, he made a statement that intrigued me greatly. So, so much, I went home and got my Bible out and started studying what he said. And I realized that that was kind of a God moment for me because there's things that I know, but I've never really actually heard them said a certain way. So I'm going to preach a sermon called, Can You Pass the Money Test? Now, before we get started, um, anytime you bring up money in church, people go, oh my God, he's after it. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. I'm going to teach you how to use it. But let's start with something because the Bible says four times more about money than it does the blood of Jesus. It says four times more about money than it does forgiveness. As a matter of fact, money is very spiritual. Thank y'all. I can see I'm in the right building. Because the world is after it. And everybody knows it takes money to make it through life. So when, I, when Mark began to talk about can you pass the money test, it intrigued me. I mean, I, he opened up and started talking about a scripture. And so I want to talk to you about this because there are some things that happen in your life and God is watching what you do. He's very interested in what you do especially when it comes to finances. And I'm talking about your work. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1, and um, uh, just say hallelujah and make me feel good about myself. Can you pass the money test? And this, this is very interesting, and I found out that he gives you two distinct tests when it comes to finances. God does that. And um, he wants you to pass them, and I believe that you will. Amen? Amen. All right. Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you'll remember that the Lord your God led you all in the ways, uh, all in the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you. Underline the word test. And a lot of, a lot of times people will get on to me and say, Pastor, that's Old Testament. The Bible says God doesn't test. Actually, the Bible says God doesn't tempt you. It does not tell you God doesn't test you. Teachers in school test you. Nod and look real spiritual. They're not testing you for their sake. They're testing you for yours. Without test, you would never know what you know. You don't know what you know. You don't know what you don't know. So God's not testing you for his benefit, but he'll test you for yours. He'll test you so you can locate where you are in the scope of life. So testing is good. It also helps you to figure out what to study. Because if you don't do good on the test, study what you missed and you'll know it. He humbled you and tested you to know what was in your heart and whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and he allowed you to hunger. He fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor your fathers knew, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word 
that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore, you'll keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Let's talk about the first test that God gives people when it comes to money. Because I pastor a church, very often I have young people who graduate from Bible school and they come in and they lay out how much they want to make their insurance plan and their dental plan and their vacation plan and you can just forget it because I don't have one for you. One of the things that we have a hard time grabbing a hold of is that there are times when God allows you to go through seasons of lack. Now, I know that doesn't sound like many people will agree with that, but if you talk to people, it happened to you. It did happen to you. You, you, uh, Your whole Christianity from the day you got saved has not been filled with money. You've had times when it was tough. And God lets you go through it. When I, when, I, when I got born again, yes, you hear the story about how God got me out of debt, paid off my bills, but, uh, but also you learn that I still didn't have a lot of money for a while. Even though I went to Rama, and, and, and let's talk about that. You think about the fact that God, when I got saved, And he got me a good job, asked me to walk away from it. Would he do that? Yes, he would. And I walked away from a very lucrative job, very good job. And I moved out to Oklahoma and went to Bible school. And where I made $20 a day, $5 an hour for four hours because I was going to Bible school. I was only working four hours a day and I didn't have a very good job. And yet God took care of me. He fed me. You know, our our rent was half price. The car was paid for that he gave me. There was a lot of blessings, but there was not a lot of excess money. So I, I want you to understand something that there is a season in your life. God wants to know whether you're going to put him first, whether he's blessing you or not. Now, don't get mad at me if you disagree with me. You just shelf it. And maybe in three or four, five hundred thousand years, God will show you that I'm right. Joseph in the Old Testament was a type of that. David, when he was an anointed king, went off in the wilderness and ran around as a vagabond for a while because there's, a, there's seasons in your life where God wants you to seek him because he's God. Whether you have the money or you don't have the money or you don't have a good job, but he wants to prove to you he can feed you, he can take care of you, though you may not be loaded. All right, and I'm, I'm, if we went around the room and I took testimonies, everybody in here has a testimony of times or seasons when things didn't go well. I don't care who you are. Started a business, it didn't just take off. <coughs> so we see that he says right here, I took you from Egypt into the wilderness To test you. In other words, why are you serving God? Now, when I got born again, and and I lived in a little concrete block house, no heat, no no air condition, and yet God got me a job, and I moved into a little mobile home, $100 a month. I was on fire for God. I love Jesus. I was in church when the doors opened up. I read my Bible every day. I prayed every day. I just sought God with all of my heart. My job didn't matter to me. What I did for a living didn't matter to me. My income didn't matter to me. I just loved Jesus. Now, those are seasons when God is looking to see what it is. In other words, I've had people come along and say, well, I prayed and God didn't answer that prayer. Well, what are you serving God for? Because he's God or because he answered your prayer? So there was a season in my life and when I was working at Tulsa and I worked for Roger Hardesty, second largest apartment complex builder west of the Mississippi, doing well, the Lord said, move to Orlando. Again, he packed me up and he moved me 
And I got a job here in an apartment complex, and I became a youth pastor. And I laid concrete block for a living. I mean, I, God blessed me, and, and I could tell you stories of God taking good care of me. But I will tell you it was a season in my life, you know, where, where there was not an, a lot of excess. But I, but I don't remember being sad. I don't remember being unhappy. I just remember I always had enough money. I always ate good. And, and I, just, I just don't remember there being a lot of excess. But there came a day when I stepped into the, you know, the perfect will of God, and God began to bless Lisa and I. And he blessed us. And the other day, uh, I was with Mark, and we were at the mall, and he asked me a question. He said, what do you need? I said, I can't think of anything. I, I can't honestly tell you I have a need. How do you buy me a birthday present? I, I don't know. I, I have all the guns I want. I have a, a brand new pickup truck. I have a nice house. I have the most beautiful woman in, in all of Florida. I mean, I, there's not a lot I need. And, and God did it. I didn't, I didn't do that. But yet he has, he has blessed me exceeding abundantly above Anything I could ask or think. And he did it. God did it. I'm going to read to you the second test. The first test is what are you going to do when things don't go well? And I have people all the time going, well, if, I, if the Lord would do this, I'd do it. No, no, no. You put him first no matter what you're going through. Amen? You get born again, you put him first. You keep him number one. Number two, let's start with verse seven. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains, springs that flow out with valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, vine and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. Now, I found this out the other day in Israel. When the Bible calls it a land of milk and honey, he's not talking about honeybees. He's talking about date honey. And if you have not ever had date honey, oh, it is so good, especially on buckwheat pancakes. And never mind. I feel like I'm eating healthy. I may not be, but I feel like I am. <laughs> a land in which you will eat, look at this, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out, and you'll dig copper, and when you are eaten and are full, you will bless the Lord your God in the good land which he gave you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, your silver and gold is multiplied, that, that when all you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up... And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. What's the next test? The next test is called the prosperity test. God watches you to find out what are you going to do now that you've got money. Are you all out there? Did you go home? Most Christians... Don't pass this test. The moment God blesses them, they, they start seeking money. Don't get quiet on me. I got all day. The next test that God wants to see is whether money has your heart or whether he has your heart. And the only way he will know that is to give you some. And he does. The hardest test I have ever been through in my life is living for God now that I don't need him. Or it appears I don't need him. Don't shout me down. I don't know whether you know this or not, but I can get a sermon without him. I can dance around and act like a pastor without him. I can do church without him. And people do. 
And he said, this is the test because we got a place, and I'm going to show it to you in a minute, that's beyond this that he wants to take you. And he's not going to take you until you passed the money test. Until he can trust you with money and you not lose your heart for God. Because Norval Hayes made a statement one time and I never forgot it. He's, now Norval Hayes was a multi, multi-millionaire. Had seven lucrative businesses. And yet in all of his life, even though the Lord would stop him in the middle of the day and say, go to Burger King and lead this boy to the Lord, Norval Hayes served the Lord Jesus Christ no matter whether he was a millionaire or not. And sit at Burger King and get a guy off of drugs and help him and minister to him. And that's why, and Norval said, he said, in all the years of raising up young men, I would take them under my wing and I would teach them to pass out tracts. I would teach them to cast out devils. I would teach them to preach the gospel. And every one of them that prospered backslid. Because money, having money, being an American is the most difficult thing on this earth. It's easy to serve God in Africa. You ain't got no money. What else is there? Just God. But in America, it's more difficult. So the ones of you that are here this morning, kudos. You're serving God. So he says right here, now, now let's finish reading this. Verse 15, he led you through the great terrible wilderness in which there were fiery serpents and scorpions, thirsty land, there was no water, and brought water to you out of the funny rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. What's he testing you for? To do you good. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand gained me this wealth. And you'll remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gave you the power to get wealth, that he'll establish his covenant that he swore to your fathers this day. So why does he give you wealth? It's to establish his covenant. He didn't do that because you're smart. And he also didn't do it because you're God. You're not. I'll come over here. Y'all is quiet. Y'all got quiet on me again. I, I'm going to read another scripture to you I didn't read on the first service in chapter 9, verse 6. Therefore, understand the Lord your God is not giving you this land to possess it because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. You're not blessed because you're smart. You're not blessed because you're better than anybody. You're blessed because God is good. Say it again. You're blessed because God is good. Now, the blessing that he gave you is to honor the blood covenant that he made with the Lord Jesus Christ to bless you coming in, bless you going out. Whatever you put your hand to shall prosper. But the test there is what are you going to do with your relationship with God when you finally get some money in your pocket? You can't serve God in money. And this is the test. This is where many of you are right now where you're sitting back going, now what, what do I need to be doing right now? Well, why don't you do what you did when you first got saved? So let's look at another scripture here. Go to a Hebrews 11.6. I'm doing real good and we're going to continue to do real good. And I'm trusting God that everybody walks out of here today walk out different. And your life will increase and be better than it's ever been. That's my goal. I'm go my goal is to make you better than you've ever been in your life. God does not have to show up at your church. And he don't have to show up in your life at all. But he does show up whenever you pass the test. So Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When? When you need him? 
No, maybe all the time. God is a God that hides and he's not hard to find, but he wants you to do one thing all of your life and that's seek his face because he is God. I want you to remember that. The Bible says draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Now my question is, how do you draw nigh to God? How do you keep your heart right with God? How do you seek first the kingdom though you're wealthy? What about the scripture in the book of Revelations where, where Jesus is talking to the church and he says, I have this against you, you've left your first love. What is first love? Well, I can't tell you about your first love, but I'll tell you about mine. When I met Lisa, oh my God, I thought she was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen on this planet. And she had a boyfriend, and I didn't care because I went after her, and I ran him off. Anytime you, uh, uh, you go on a date with a girl, and she parks the car, someone's going to take her away from you. And I saw this knucklehead get out of the car, and Lisa parked the car, and I went, I'll take her from you, and I did. So I took her, and I wined her, and I dined her. She never paid for nothing when we went out on a date. When I showed up at the door, there was roses in my hand. When I showed, when I called her up and called her to my house, I fed her steak. Now, bless her heart, she never had a good steak in her life. So she shows up and says, I don't like steak, but I'll eat the salad. I said, I'm making you a steak. She said, well, I'll take one bite. She did. She ate the whole thing. <laughs> because until you've had a sirloin cooked in a black frying pan with butter correctly, you'd never had steak in your life. So Lisa, when she got through licking her chops and eating that whole steak, then I brought out crab cakes and shrimp and, 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 and salad and blue cheese dressing. How many of you think I'm chasing this woman? I'm after this woman. Lisa said, you stalked me. I did. I stalked her down, chased her. She thought I was Kenneth Copeland and married me. Amen. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you something. That was the funnest time of my life. We had more fun together, but it didn't end. I still buy her flowers. I, I still wake up in the morning and cook her breakfast. I still buy her flowers, even if it ain't her birthday. Because, see, she's still on my mind. I didn't just wait for her and think about her then. I think about her now. I think about her wherever she is, and I make, I text her and see how she's doing. And then when we have a fight, I found out how to shut her up. Just kiss her. <laughs> and she's still the greatest thing since sliced bread in my book. That's how you keep a marriage going, but it's your thought life. It's your thought life. Say it's your thought life. How do you love God? How do you love God with all of your heart? Well, you know, there comes a time in your life when God blesses you and he gives you a lucrative business and all of a sudden you have a lot of money and you stop thinking about him. Don't shout me down. Y'all going to be here for Mark? I may not be. We may be. Well, you didn't do that when you first got saved. See, you love Jesus then. Woo, it's quiet in this Baptist church. You just got corrected. Just say, oh, oh me and get over it. You see, the hardest thing you'll ever do is to be blessed coming in and blessed going out and maintain your first love with God. Seek ye first the kingdom. See, there is a God, and you're not him. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and, uh, and we'll have people in here that will disagree with me. And it's okay. I've been disagreed with before. And somehow or another, it's never bothered me. But when I was having lunch with Dr. Osborne, he said to me, he says, God has a hundred ways to humble a man. And I know that you heard in Bible school that God doesn't humble people. Well, they lied. 
We'll say it another way. He just takes his hand off of you for a few minutes and lets you squirm like a fish out of water. And you're like, help me, Jesus. And he goes, oh, now you're talking to me. Don't make him take his hand off of you to, remember, to remind you that you're not all that. Where you are today, he took you there. And you don't wake up in the morning and start acting like you did it. Because you didn't did it. This is the greatest nation on the earth. And we didn't did it. The Japanese had a jet before we did, and the Germans had a jet before we did, but they didn't have a bunch of Pentecostal women sitting in the churches praying over their soldiers during World War I and II to make sure the troops came home. This nation is, it was birthed on the knees of men and women in churches, not on the battlefields overseas. This is a nation birthed by God. And it would behoove us to remember in God we still trust. So the second test that you're going to have to pass is not the test of what to do when you ain't got nothing. It's what to do when you got it. All right, now let's go. Are y'all ready? Because I'm just getting started. I'm just on point one. And I got all day long. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. No, go to Matthew 22. Go to Matthew 22. We'll dive to the Hebrews in just a second. Go to Matthew. Because I want you to see this is actually in your Bible so that you don't walk out of here and say, Pastor said. Do you know why people say, Pastor said? Because they don't have the backbone to say, God said. See, you can disagree with me all you want to, and that's right. But you don't have the nerve to sit at your breakfast table and talk and say, I know what God said, but... So you say, I know what pastor said, but, but I didn't write it. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness. Come on. All of y'all turn to your neighbor and say, you know, that you, this is probably the best place for you to be right this minute. So Jesus is talking. A teacher said, what is the great commandment in the law? How many of you know this is the New Testament? Let's go to the next one. Jesus said, you'll love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? How much of your soul? And how much of your mind? All of it. Did that change? No. Just because you got money, that didn't change. You and I are still supposed to be putting him first. Because if you think that you're going to get yourself to heaven when you die, you have another thought coming. That angel ain't got to do nothing you tell him. You better hope someone sends one. Because <laughs> between the, the, the dot and the dash, there's God. Amen. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? So he's everything. He, he's the one that saved you, filled you, healed you, delivered you, blessed you coming in, blessed you coming out. And he wants you to remember that all of the days of your life. And the way that you do that is by choosing what you think about. Now, you can think about all kinds of stuff. Most people wake up on Monday morning, the first thing they think about is jobs and money. The last thing they think about before they go to bed is jobs and money. And that goes on all the way to Saturday and for some people even Sunday. But you're not God. Why don't you wake up in the morning and the first thing you think about is, oh, you are a good God. Oh, my God, you washed me in the blood. Oh, thank you that you saved me. Thank you that you delivered me. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Holy Ghost living on the inside. Thank you for the greater one who's lived. Hallelujah, I love you, Jesus. And then start thinking about the money you're going to make that day. Woo, it's quiet in this Baptist church. See, God has some place he wants to take you. Most people never get into the perfect will of God. Let's go now to, Hebrew, to, to 1 Timothy 6. Woo, I'm loving this whether you are not. And I'm going to take your quiet like you're listening. Taking it all in. 
1 Timothy 6. You know, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. I have to believe you're getting freer by the second. 1 Timothy 6, 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. He's not talking about you being broke. You brought nothing in the world and it's certain you ain't taking nothing out. You came naked, you leaving naked. And the suit of clothes they put on you, they cut them in half and only put the top layer. So don't even think you get into heaven with, you, with anything on the backside because you ain't. <laughs> Having food and clothing with these be content. Those who desire to be rich, he's not talking about who have money. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and snare and many foolish and harmful lusts that draw men. The biggest test you're going to take, Satan's going to hit you with it, is going to be the money test. It is going to be more difficult for you to serve God now than it's ever been in your life. Did you know that? The longer you go, the more difficult it becomes. Have anybody noticed that? You thought it was going to get easier. And it didn't, did it? You got money and it didn't get easier. You got knowledge of the Bible and it didn't get easier. Y'all are sitting here looking at me like, that's true and I never thought about it. No, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's designed this way. Smith Wigglesworth said he gets out of bed in the morning and does, what, 15 minutes of high-speed dancing. You better dance your way to joy because you ain't going to feel like it. If you want some joy, you're going to go find it. Okay, never mind. I'm I'm just getting started. Verse 10, the love of money, not money, is the root of all kinds of evil, which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves with many sorrows. When you start getting money, if you start seeking it, you're going under. You're going to go under. Because you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve both. Now, go down to verse 17. Command those that are rich in this present world. Now, that ought to tell you that there should be rich people in church. Now, I like when rich people come to church. Do you know why? Because some of y'all, when we start buying chairs... You can't even buy the one you sit in. Because you broke. Okay, some, <laughs> I want all the rich people to get excited right now, you know. All right, good. <laughs> now, now, he didn't say command those that are rich not to be rich. Because you want rich people in church. You want people in your church who can actually help you some. So that when you want to build a playground, you can build a playground. And when you want to get rid of all this nasty carpet we've been walking on for 10 years, we can rip it up and put something down that doesn't stink and smell and look like crud. Which we're about to do, by the way. Because some of y'all rich people have been helping us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Give yourself a hand and say amen. Hallelujah. You're talking about me now. All right. Command those that are rich, talking about you. Now, if you make over $35,000, you're in the top 4% richest people on the planet. So we're not talking about Donald Trump. We're talking about you. Command those that are rich in this present age, don't be haughty nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives you richly all things to enjoy. Now, I don't know whether y'all know this or not, but God made gold and diamonds and then Eve. Knowing that he was going to make Eve, he made stuff for her. All the women said amen. All right. This, the, that stuff's not here for the sinner. Now, let, now let me say something. In, 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 I'm, I've already gone out there on a limb. I might as well just go on further. Don't get all excited over a football player that makes millions of dollars 
to carry a pigskin down a field. Or excited about some idiot with a ball in his hands running up and down a court dropping it in a hoop. And then get mad because a preacher has a little money. Come on, I'm in a, just to get up. The most difficult people to talk to on the earth about money are Christians. A sinner has more sense. Nobody ever says anything about the mob or the mafia driving jets until Benny Hinn got one. Now, y'all, you, now you, you know, when you, but, but you start talking about a Christian and money and people will go ape on you. you. I mean, just the fact that we came in here and I brought up money, some of y'all went quiet. In church? He must be after it. No, I ain't after your money, I'm after you. I want you blessed coming in, blessed going out. The best way to not be money-minded is have so much you don't even think about it. I haven't been out to a restaurant and asked Lisa in years if I could buy a steak. There better be enough in there to buy a steak because I'm buying one anyway. Oh, that's that fish. You know, my favorite fish is filet mignon. I'm sorry, somebody has to be funny in this church. <laughs> Command those that are rich, say me, me, in this present age, don't be haughty and don't trust in the money. Money is only a tool. That's all it is. It's just an avenue to get something done. Command those that are rich not to be, okay, let them do what? All right, now let's, let's go here. Just because you dropped money in doesn't mean you don't need to serve. Uh, let me help you. Your money does not make you better than everybody else. You can be a millionaire and Jesus is God, and he washed feet, you can be millionaire and you can still wash feet. So when you come into a church, my job is to teach you it ain't wrong to have the money, just don't think it's going to exempt you from being an usher or changing a diaper in the nursery. I don't believe you said that to me. Don't you know who I am? I know exactly who you are. Go change a diaper. That's right. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus washed feet. You can wash booties. I'm doing a really good job, y'all. Just a, let them do good and that they, rich people, be rich in good what? Works. Works. That means there's more expected out. See, this is not a teaching center. This is a church, and there are people in it. And if you walk in it, there's something you need to be doing. To help with the load. When you go home at Thanksgiving and you get through when mama fixed cooking, finishes, get up and wash the dishes. Put them away, dry them and put them up. Don't wait on everybody else to cook all the food, wash all the dishes, put them all while you watch television. And when you get done with that, get a broom out and sweep the kitchen floor since you helped trap the dirt in anyway. 
We don't care that you are the big dog son that came home from a far land. You can still get in there and get up to your elbows and dish soap. Well, I'm doing pretty good. And the next time you have a Thanksgiving, quit relying on your mama to do all the cooking. Why don't you do some of the cooking yourself and take some over so she's not up since the crack of dawn making sure she's feeding your ugly face. I mean you. And the next time you pat her and tell her you love her, give her a $100 bill. Since you so good anyway. And all the women said, amen. I mean, pick up some of the load, guys. I'm going to show you something in the Bible in a minute, and you're going to rock your world. Willing to share. So, now, now, now listen, listen to me. If you drive a Lamborghini, don't you put $100 in no offering plate. I like what Mark says. Don't you have Lamborghini living and skateboard giving? <laughs> you got some money? We want to see it. Amen. Willing to share. Ready to give. Everything in your pocket ain't for you? Why don't you bless the house of God and buy something for the church instead of sitting on all that money and talking about how God had blessed me coming in and going out. <laughs> I'm doing a pretty good job, ain't I? I mean, when you show up and you got money, the preacher's actually excited you're there. We finally got somebody with some money in here. Don't be putting no $100 bill in my offering plate and talking about your car you drive. I had a man, I took him out to lunch one day, and he was crying because his wife married his lawyer and soaked him for $50 million. Left him with only $1 million. And he gave me and the church a tip of 50 bucks. And I handed it back. I said, I got teenagers do better than that. Amen. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching. You, you worth a million dollars and you gave me 50 bucks and I bought your lunch? You, you ugly thing, you don't. Don't go quiet on me right now. Be willing. God has blessed you. He didn't bless, bless you just for you. He blessed you to be a blessing. You need to be a blessing everywhere you go. Your family ought to know he's coming. Woo, glory to God. It'll be nice because so-and-so's home. Yeah. You show up, they ought to be happy you're there. I'm going to put on my Joel Osteen face. Go to Luke 16. This is my last scripture. And I didn't say I was anywhere near closing. I just said it's my last scripture. How many of y'all are getting this? Listen to me. Listen to me. This has been the most difficult thing I've ever been through in my life. Is keeping him number one. It's probably the most difficult. Waking up in the morning and praying in the Holy Ghost. Waking up and spending time with God. Even though there was a time I spent time with him because I had to have him. I don't have to have him. Now I wake up and I spend time with him because I want to be with him. And I'm going to show you something. That no matter where you are financially, there is a place that God wants to take you. And he can't take you till he can trust you with money. It's called true riches. Now let me get ahead of myself. There are things God wants to do. Money cannot buy it. And God won't take you there. 
There is wisdom he wants to give you, and you can't buy it. There is favor he wants to give you. Money can't buy it. There is health he wants to bestow on you, and money can't buy it. You're going to have a heart after God, or he's not taking you to true riches. That's beyond money. Kenneth E. Hagin. Now, don't get mad at me for calling him this. I'm not trying to be crude. He was a Texas hick. Nobody ever heard of him. And he passed the poverty test, and he passed the money test. And within two years, everybody on earth knew his name. How'd that happen? Only God can do that. Same thing happened with Andrew Woman. His mama said, and Andy, you didn't do this. Andy didn't. I don't care if you think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's not. But he has a tender heart. And God built a Bible school. Now, now I'm saying this for y'all's benefit. Every one of us in this room have a place God's trying to get you. And the issue is your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. When you're poor, keep it. When you're rich, keep it. There are people... You need to meet. There are influences only God can give you. You can't give them to yourself. I'm going to talk about myself for a moment. How in the world did I get hooked up with Dr. Varallo to where she invites Lisa and I to her home? There's only one way that can happen. That's a God thing or it ain't happening. This tomorrow, Mark's agreed to fly Lisa and I to Tulsa in his jet. I'm not that smart. Because some of y'all are going, we know. But it's not my brains, it's my heart. Because though I'm blessed, I still seek God with my whole heart. Y'all get this? That's the difference. That's the difference. Y'all say, I'm getting it. Okay. I'm going to read you a story. Uh, Jesus told a parable. Um, And let me make another one more statement about people. Because of my heart being right, I met Lisa. You, you, there's a good chance you're going to meet someone and marry them. It'll be the right person or it'll be the wrong person. It'll only be the God one is if he has your heart. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? Are y'all getting this? And you'll come along later and go, man, that was a mess. You're still saved, still going to heaven. You may start your own business that you started, and it may not be God. Are y'all wanting to know about true riches or not? Do you want to know about this next place? Because most Christians never get here. Say, I'm going there. Okay, I know y'all are. See, I can watch, you can watch people. I can watch people like Megan. I'm going to tell you something. If Megan continues the route she's going, God Almighty, I have, there's no telling where this girl's going. And God's going to take her there. She ain't got anything. She ain't got to do it. Are y'all getting this? 
And Cody, if he keeps preaching like he did in Israel, well, God knows what he's going to do with that boy. But see, are y'all getting this? If I could instill one thing in you, stay tender-hearted no matter what. Okay, I'm going to show now, now let's go because I'm going to show you a parable. Luke 16, verse 1. And he said to the disciples, there was a certain rich man had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him. This man was wasting his goods. And he called him and he says, what is this I'm hearing about you? Give an account of your stewardship, and you no longer can be steward. And the steward within himself says, what am I going to do? My master's taking the steward. Steward, I, I, I got too soft a hands to dig. I'm too fat and ugly to beg. And I've resolved what to do. I'm going to take, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put out my stewardship and I'm going to receive them in my house. So he called every one of his master's debtors and said, how much does, do you owe the master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. He said, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. And he said to another, and he said, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said, take your bill and write 80. And the master commended the unjust steward because he dealt shrewdly. Jesus is bragging on him. This is a crazy parable. Here's a man doing something we call crooked. And Jesus is bragging. And here's the parable. Let me, let me read the rest because you won't get the punchline. Verse 9. I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, they'll receive you into everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful in much, and he who is unjust in least is unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? So he's saying, when you have money... What are you doing with it? Are you using it wisely? You can, listen, when God blesses you financially, use the money to benefit other people. Not just yourself. He's bragging on this guy because this guy did something shrewdly. The world has more money sense than the church. Listen, the world will pay $10,000 to hear the speakers that are coming here for free and you're sitting on your butt at home because you have no value system. You don't understand the value of money. You don't understand the value of relationships. You have never learned how to use money for your benefit. My God, it's quiet in this Baptist church. Money's a tool. It's a hammer. It's a saw. It's only a tool. Use it wisely. Use it. Make friends. Get to know people. Do good with it. And he's bragging on, this guy took the money and, and did something with the money. And church people get all mad. Well, you don't need no money. Yes, you do. Now, here's something you've never heard. Kenneth Copeland gave Reinhard Bonnke a million dollars to put on a crusade. You've never heard that on CNN. They just want to know how much money he has. And they've never asked Hillary how much she has or Barack Obama. Don't shout me down. Money... You need it. And when you get some, use it wisely. In other words, the pastor ought to go, here comes a rich guy. Praise the Lord. And be faithful. Well, thank you all. 
Therefore, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, God is never going to give you true riches. He's not trusting you with the anointing. You can't even handle money. You can't even be faithful with finances. Are y'all thinking? All of the money in your pocket is not for you. It might be for your grandkids. It might be for your mama. It might be for your wife. Thank you. Did you ever think about the blessing that, that you could be to other people if you just had some? Well, if you start using it wisely, God will give you more. And then whenever you need something like a healing, if your heart is right, you won't be running around trying to find somebody to pray for you. Are you all out there? Did you get, do you understand this? God's watching what you do. And he wants you, how many say, I want you to say this. I will pass the money test. It's, it's, it's a hammer. It's just a tool. It doesn't make your life better. You can have money and be sick and die early. You can have money and your marriage falls apart, folks. Listen, don't shout me down. It's, it's a very poor God, but it's a great tool. And if you as a church would ever learn what God thinks about it. So let's go over what I said. First of all, you're going to have times when you ain't got none. And the next thing is you're going to have more than enough. Don't change. Don't stop seeking God because now you have a bigger house to clean. And three cars to wash. And a vacation home that needs, don't, don't, no, no. <laughs> Are y'all out there? Did you go home? Don't you change just because God blessed you. And I'm going to tell you something. After that, there's things God will do with you that will blow your mind. Now, I could, Lisa and I could talk about us for a while. But there are people in this room, God's got a lot more for you than you've ever stepped into. And he's watching. Now, what am I going to do right now with this? Now, I'm going to get on to something. You didn't miss church when you first got saved. And you weren't at Disney when you first got saved. No, it's quiet in this. Are y'all okay? Go back to the way you were in your heart. David in the Old Testament, Saul got money and backslid. David did not. David became king and he worshiped God with his whole heart. When it came time to build the temple, he gave extravagantly because his love for God was stronger than anything else. And nobody remembers Saul, but everybody remembers David. In the New Testament, what happened to Peter when he failed? You're going to fail. But Jesus picked him up because that's true riches. When Judas fell, nobody helped him. What was Judas's problem? Wrong attitude about money. Whoa. I don't know how to close. Anybody in here right now that would say, I got some praying I need to be doing right about now. Anybody else other than just Tiffany? So let me talk about me for a minute. In the last couple of months, this is the one thing the Lord's been dealing with me about. Because easy 
to do this job by the seat of my pants. It doesn't mean God's in it. But in order for God to be in it, I have to go back to seeking God with my whole heart. Yeah. Now, I've, I've never found anything more difficult than doing that now. I'm just, is that okay with me to tell you this? But I'm doing it. With my whole heart. Don't get in condemnation whenever the Lord puts his finger on something and says, you might want to make an adjustment. Just say, yes, sir, and make it. Just make an adjustment. Seek ye first the kingdom. Draw nigh to God. Put him back in your thoughts. Come into church and worship him. Worship him. Norval Hayes made a statement. He says, I wake up in the morning and I worship God. Multi-millionaire dancing before God in his house and worshiping God. Father God, this is probably one of the greatest honors in the world stand in this pulpit and preach to your sons and daughters. People in this room are awesome. These are men and women you died on the cross for and shed your blood and redeemed them. And that's your family. And you've given me the opportunity to, to preach the word. Today I shared something from my heart so that all of us in this room will understand that there's levels that we've got to go through. We've got to make adjustments at times. And I pray, Father God, that every one of us in this room, that God has blessed us. This is not the time to slow up. This is the time not to, not to retire, it's to refire. This is a time to seek your face like we've never sought it. This is a time to draw near to you like we've never drawn near to you. And this is a time to get excited about the blood of Jesus just like when we first got saved. And to remember that everything that we have right now was a total gift from you and that you're God. And Father, I pray that everybody, that if anybody came in today and I said something that was offensive for them to know that's me, but you didn't offend them. But Father God, that the truth sets us free. And I pray over this church now. I pray for a move of God here like we've never seen. I pray the best days for these young people that they've ever seen. I pray they will do more for God than Lisa and I have ever done. And they'll show us how it's done. I pray favor hits them. I pray that they'll, if they start churches, they'll outgrow this one. If they have anointing, it'll be greater than anything I've ever seen. That the people of this church will see greater moves in their life than I've ever seen in mine. That's my desire. And Father God, if we all have to make adjustments, then let it start with me. I'm, I'm making mine. I know Lisa's making hers. I know that we, we all have to make adjustments. And I'm making, I'm making adjustments. You said, you said for me to seek you with my whole heart. You said Enoch walked with God. I want to walk with you like Adam did. I want to walk with you. That's my highest goal in life is to walk with you and to be used by you. I pray that everybody in this room has the same heart to be used by God. Not to go their own way and do their own thing. The world says that's okay. It's not okay. And I give you the glory and honor for every healing in this place and I pray for true riches. Everybody say this. I ask for true riches that can only come from you. Isn't God good? I think of these men in this church or these young ladies that are in the police force. Favor keeps you alive. In the military, favor keeps you alive. In the business world, 
Only the favor of God can stop the crooks from taking your money. And you got to have the favor of God. You're not that smart. There's so many things God can and will do. But he said, you draw near me. Don't ever get to the place where you think you're so big. You can't pull aside and go, I'm going to go spend some time with God. I'm going to tell you something. You don't spend time with God and not know it. You come out of there with a kiss of God on your forehead and everybody in the world knows it. And God sure loves that guy. Have you all ever noticed Justin? God loves Justin. I don't know what Justin's doing, but he's got really nice shoes now and really nice clothes. I don't know what that boy's doing lately. He's. Have you all noticed a change since he started putting God first? I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. Now, he was a Christian before. Mark Ankins called him out in a meeting a couple of years ago and says, how long are you going to wait to obey God? Justin made an adjustment. Just an adjustment. And favor hit him. That's true riches. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text... 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.